All right, let's open our Bible again, please, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Find your place in the Word of God this morning. We'll read in just a moment and bring the message. I believe the Lord would have us to in this hour. Good to be here. Good to see you here. I do appreciate the Sunday school hour. Appreciate the good singing, the presentation. I appreciate Brother Mark, all those that are laboring over there. I pray for South Africa twice a week, and I appreciate <clears throat> what the Lord's doing. And I know his mother's enjoying some time over there with the son and grandchildren. And Sister Connie's jealous. Oh, man, she wished she was over there. I couldn't resist that, Sister. I want to just say this, preacher. It comes to my mind about our visitor being here from our visitors being here from, from Illinois. I was preaching a mission meeting, and nobody knew nothing about this until a week later. But I was preaching a mission meeting uh, in Crossville, Tennessee, five years ago. I'm pretty sure that's correct. But anyway, a few years back. And uh, it was the first missions conference I'd ever had. And God did some very unusual things. I have two stories that I tell out of one meeting. Now, that's pretty good. But we had uh, three generations of a family in that meeting. They sat back here on my left, and uh, nobody knew who they were. And so uh, anyway, uh, they, they passed out the faith promise cards and, and so forth and so on. Let me go on with it. On Friday, the pastor got a letter, and he said, uh, we were to meet some friends in their church. And it was three generations, you know, my mom, papa, I don't know how the son and daughter, which one, but then the grandchildren, they were all grown. And he said, we wound up in the wrong church and he had parents around the wrong church. And he said, uh, we didn't know where to go. We didn't want to walk out in the middle of Sunday school. So we sat there and he said, because of the excitement of the people, and the preacher in about Sunday school hour, when Sunday school's over, we decided, well, what we're going to do? And what we're going to do? And he said, I told him, he said, I like the zeal of that preacher and the excitement of the church. We don't know where else to go, so let's just stay here. And so they did. And when they passed out the faith promise cards at the close of the hour, this was a closing of a conference, he took one. Nobody knows anything about this now until the letter comes back on Friday. And that visitor Never been to that church before. There, by mistake, wrong church. Filled out a faith promise commitment card for $50 a month. Dropped it in. Nobody knows nothing about this. On Friday, there's a letter comes in the mail to the pastor that explains the whole thing, and included with it was a $300 check paid for the year. $50 a month. So, uh, you know, there are no accidents with God. But I thought that when he mentioned these being here today and I, I have a little bit of connection years gone by up where they're from. But anyway, good to be here, good to be saved. Let's stand together, if you would, please. Your Bible open the book of Second Corinthians chapter number 8. Second Corinthians chapter number 8. Find your place in the Word of God. We'll read and then bring the study from the Word of God for this hour. Verse number 1. The Bible said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. This they did not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of of God. Keep your Bible open. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer, then the message from the Word of God for this hour. Our precious Heavenly Father, 
Once again, dear Lord, at the throne of grace and mercy, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bow before you in prayer. Father, I do want to say thank you for the joy of salvation. Thank you again, dear Lord. You let me be born in America. You let me hear the gospel. You shame me with the marvelous grace of God. Lord, not because of my deserving, but because of your mercy. Lord, because of through the years, somebody had a missionary heart, a missionary spirit. Lord, brought the gospel from the land of the Bible. Lord, into the continent of Europe and then on and across to America. And Lord, to my house one day. All the work of missions, Lord. Thank you that I'm a recipient of the gospel because of the work of missions. And I pray to the Lord, now you will help us, Lord, to not let it end here. Oh, God, pass it on in carrying out the commandment under the uttermost part of the earth. Help us, I pray. Speak to us and through us now. You will be done. We'll praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Do keep your Bible open, please, this morning for the message for today from the Word of God. Uh, now, I, I spent the Sunday school hour just building up to this, so I want to do just a very couple of moments of review and then move on in our study of the Word of God. We're looking at what the Bible teaches about giving. And I say to you, there are three types of giving taught in the Word of God. Number one, the Bible teaches tithing. Tithing means the first 10% of our income does not belong to us. It belongs to God. We're to separate it, bring it to church, dedicate it to God. It loses our identity, becomes the church's money. And in the Bible, I have no knowledge at all of any tithe ever sent anywhere. It was used, if I could use words we understand, to pay the bills of the normal local operation of the church. Then we looked at the free will offering, and I said to you, free will offerings in the Bible were set up for special needs that arises in the life and ministry of the church. And then we looked at the missions offering. And I said to you, a mission offering is money that is collected by the church, but not for the church. It's collected by the church to be distributed by the church to those serving God in other places. And we started looking here at this example. We did look in 1 Corinthians 16, and we found out our mission giving is to be systematic giving. It's to be total involvement. God said, let every one of you. <coughs> and then it is to be given, on a, given to the local church and distributed by the authority of the local church. But then we looked here at this practice, and we, I want to just begin here and go again through this. I want to look at verse number 5, if you will, please. And here we have these churches in Macedonia, which is Philippi and Thessalonica. They made the decision to give in the time of the famine. Keep giving and see if God will. And so they found out God would. As I said earlier, the Corinthian church said, let's see what we can do. But the Macedonians said, let's see what God can do and what God will do. And so the Bible teaches in verse number five, and this they did not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now I want to make a statement. I know what I'm saying, so I hope you'll listen and say it in the sense I'm saying it. God's not after our money. God's after us. But if God ever gets us, he gets all that we've got. Many of you can identify with this, but some 57 years ago, I decided, preacher, I needed a cook. 
I needed a cleaning lady. I need a companion. Well, I did not go out and hire three women to do three different jobs. I married one woman, still with her, and that's all of that. My wife didn't say to me, now I'll cook your food, but I'm not going to clean. I'll cook your food, but I'm, no. When I got her, I got all that she is, all that she has, and all she had then, all she has now, she's still mine. So God's not after our money. God's not after your talent. God's not after your best. God wants you. They gave themselves first to the Lord. If you'll let me to do so, I want to borrow an imaginary offering plate and set it right up here just a moment, and we're fine. I can use your imagination. But I want to borrow an imagination offering plate and set it right up here just a moment. And I want to make an illustration. Watch me. You know, it's not hard to get Baptists, pull out a piece of money, and give to missions. Nobody ever says amen to that. I don't know why, but it's not. Preacher, I'm convinced it would be very shocking if we knew the amount, dollar amount, that's given to missions on a regular Sunday by Baptists across the world. Millions. It wouldn't just be hundreds. It wouldn't be thousands. You know what? The same crowd, some give of the week, some give of the month, some give of, they'll be back next week. Y'all still quiet on me. They'll come out, and some give every month, you know, but on a regular basis. But you know, and I make an illustration, I hope you'll see it. You know how most Baptists want to give to missions? You read my message? They're willing to give their money, but that's it. You know what God wants us to do? Let me borrow my imagination offering plate and take it down and set it down in the floor. And I put myself. I wonder, and I hope you never forget what I'm saying. I wonder what God would do with you if he could get you in his offering plate. Anybody, pastor, that's ever used of God sometime is going to give themselves unreservedly to God. God will not put his hands on your life as long as you've got your hands on your life. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And you know, we put the money in the offering plate up here. Father, take this mission off and multiply it to meet the need of missions around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And we wonder what God will do with that mission offering. But I want what happened if we put our seven in the offering plate, laid our hand on our head and said, Father, take this mission offering. Multiply it to meet the need of missions around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I, want to, I, want to, I hope the Holy Ghost will drive this to your heart, what I'm fixing to say. I wonder what God would do with you if you totally gave him yourself. Tragedy with a broken heart, preacher. I say this, most Baptists will live and die and never know. We're willing to give her money. No offense to the singers, we're willing to sing in the choir, we're willing to teach in the Sunday school class, but there's a reserved area that we're holding back. And God don't want that at all. God wants them to give themselves. 
You say, Brother Blue, if I give myself, does that mean I'm going to be a missionary? Not necessarily. Don't mean you're not going to be one if you don't give yourself either. A couple of things God, God could, think about it. You could be the person that God used to turn the world upside down through praying for missionaries around the world. You, God, could take your body, whatever age and size and whatever it might be, God could take you personally, you, not just your body, but you, and make you one of the great intercessors in praying for missions. Number two, God can take your body and let you make money and give to missions. I saw a couple of three businesses preacher that put their business in faith promise giving. I saw a business give $1,000 a week faith promise. I saw it with my own eyes. And the next year he increased it. I went back the next year and he increased it. Boy, that gets you quiet, doesn't it? I wonder, I'm wanting you to think, I wonder what God could do. You know, Hannah had a scriptural, a spiritual excuse. She couldn't have a baby. God wanted her to give him a man child. She could really say, I can't. You've closed up my womb. But Hannah wouldn't take it that way. Hannah knew what to do about what she couldn't do anything about. You say, what do you do? Go to him that can. I, my own self, and I, as a young preacher, Brother Cofield, I'd look forward to traveling abroad and going, I'd like to, I want to travel on every continent. I want to be a part of the whole globe in the work of God. But I didn't get to go. But through my prayer life, through my preaching, through my writing, through the broadcast, I can visit every continent on earth. I'm talking about Stinnett Blue. I'm talking about what you don't know, little old Stinnett Blue. Number eight child in a family of 12, grown up on a rented farm, sharecroppers, a nobody going nowhere. But one night in a message on the little lad who had a little lunch, and God said, what do you got? And he said, bring it here to me. And I went. And I gave God what I got. And the God be the glory. I wonder what God would do with you if you on this first Sunday morning, this first morning, would make that commitment to God. Lord, I want to give you myself. I give you myself. I almost feel like giving an altar call right now. I give you myself. So they gave their person first to the Lord. Now, look what happened in verse number two. As a result of that, the Bible tells us that we're not only going to give, willing to give out of their, give themselves to the Lord, but in that giving themselves, there are two things happens I mentioned earlier. Number one, there's a great abundance of joy in the time of the great trial of affliction. There's an abundance of joy. And then look at the last part of verse number two. The Bible said, in their, in their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. If I could use our Georgia language, they wound up giving more in a time of famine than they'd been giving in a time of fullness. Now, how can you do that? God. It's not your ability. It's God's ability. God is not affected by circumstances or situations or surroundings when we have faith in him. But then there's a third thing that we're really not in, only to give their person first, give uh, out of their poverty, but they're willing to give beyond their power. Now, I want to I deal with this just a moment. You see, 
And I'm not being mean. Get over that. I feel mean. I don't want to be feel mean. But God wants to do more with us than we can do ourselves. Can I say this? If all you ever do is all you can do, you will never get a lot done. I don't mean it disrespectful. If all you ever give is all you can give, you will never give much. But God, my Father, my Heavenly Father, yours if you're saved, your Heavenly Father owns it all. And He loves the world and He wants the world to hear the gospel enough that He's waiting on somebody to come to Him and say, God, if you will, I will. Make a commitment by faith and give and watch God prove He can take you beyond yourself. You say, preacher, how can God do that? And again, the, the field is wide open. But three normal things. Number one, God can do it through an increase of wages. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago today, preacher, three weeks ago today, I closed out a mission conference down in Mississippi. First time I'd ever been there in that church in a mission meeting. And on Sunday, a man made a faith promise commitment. This is big, bigger than I normally hear, but this is big. Four days later, he received a $5 an hour raise four days later. Four days later. A couple of months ago, I was preaching in Maryville, Tennessee, and the pastor's son served him like Jason serves with you. Only it was a smaller group of people, and they did not have the finances for full-time you know, uh, salary for, for him. And so he was a handy fix-it man on the side. And he took the challenge of faith promise and before he went to bed that night, they text me that night, before he went to bed that night, Sunday night, somebody called him and wanted a whole basement in a large house remodeled. And it was several thousand dollars, far more than the faith promise commitment was. God can do it through an increase of wages. You say, well, I live on fixed income. Who fixed it? Did you ever try to put fixed income in the Bible? As thy fixed income be, so be it unto thee. Now a just shall live a fixed income. Without fixed income, it's impossible to please God. I'm not making fun of limited income, but don't limit God to your monthly check. Amen. Don't limit God to your paycheck. God's not wanting you to pay the bill. He's wanting you to let him pay it through you. That's what faith promise giving is. God not only can do it through increase of wages, God can do it through the unexpected. God can do it in an unexpected manner. I was preaching a meeting. I may have told this before, but I was preaching a meeting down on the Florida Panhandle and some years ago. And I walked in on that Sunday, uh, Wednesday night, I guess it was, and began that meeting, preacher. One aisle down the middle, just a common, you know, two rows of pews in the church, smaller, much smaller auditorium than this. And sitting on the left of the aisle, to my left from the pulpit, right there was a, on about third or fourth pew, was a couple that, and I hope you don't misjudge me of what I'm saying. Preacher, you didn't have to look twice to know that they had been out there in a life of sin. They just had the marks of sin showing all over them. And uh, the pastor spoke to him, and he said, Brother Blue, you see that guy? I said, yes, sir. I saw that couple. He said, they're saved. They've been saved three months, and they're doing good. He went ahead and told me, he said, probably when you get through preaching every night, if he does his normal, he's going to come up and pay you a compliment. He just kind of, I guess, feels that obligation. He always does me. Come up there and pay you a compliment. Well, he did. Then I preached on tithing one night. I dealt with it two separate nights. And I preached on tithing. He came to me and said, I'm doing it. 
So if a preacher talked me to it, I'm doing that. And God's blessing me. And he had a good word for the Lord to say. Then I presented faith promise giving. I'm back there shaking hands with the preacher and the people as they come out. The preacher and I are back there. And he looked at me and he said, can I get in on that? Now, pardon my English, but I ain't never told anybody no they couldn't. I've never told anybody they could not get in on it. I said to him, ask God what he wants you to do. Start doing it and watch God pay the bill. He said, okay. He walked away and I looked at pastor's eyes and his eyeballs were just about rolling, preacher. He said to me, if you just knew his financial condition, I thought I didn't do it because of respect. I don't know his, the men's, but I know his. If he done what God told him to do, God would do it and God would provide it. For years, he worked there on the job where he worked and he'd come in on Monday morning if he made it with a hangover, beat up, or, you know, all the marks of sin. But after he got saved, preacher, the Monday morning break room became his pulpit. He's telling what happened yesterday at church. So he come in that Monday morning and they just kind of, you know, turned the floor over to him and he said, well, I got in something else this week. He said, y'all know how I got saved three weeks ago and off of all the things he talked about. And then he said, and God began to deal with my heart. Preacher had been helping me and preaching to me and talking about the money situation and God is helping them financially and how they started tithing. God is blessing them for doing that. And he said then with tears in his eyes, he said, and I found out yesterday that I can partner with God and God will give me money to give to a missionary to go somewhere where they never heard the gospel and tell them. God loves him. Christ died for them. He's just telling that story, weeping as he's telling him. And he said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. That preacher said, God wouldn't fail. And they said, I'm going to, I'm going to see God. There's a word experiment I use. And he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to try it. While he's talking, a sinner flips out his wallet. And, said, and I said, how much is it? He said, $30 a month. And a lost man flips out his wallet and said, here's the first payment. You say, I wouldn't take it from a sinner. I would bring it on up here. Didn't mean that to sound that bad. <laughs> anyway, then I'm back on the, pan, on the panhandle of Florida there. Seven months later, a family from that church I was at came. He didn't come, but a family did. And he came up to me and said, do you remember that couple? And I said, yes, tell me about them. He said, you, you heard the story that, about that first month. I said, yeah. He said, that sinner is still paying that every month. Comes up to him and said, it's time for that mission money again, isn't it? God can do it. Boy, that choked some of you. God can do it through unexpected means. He's not limited. He can do it through that, what we don't know. I mean, even a check in the mail, different things I could tell you. But then number three, God can do it not only through the uh, increase of wages, and God can do it through the unexpected, but God can do it through saving some money. God's able to make the Maytag keep on Maytagging, the refridge keep on refridging. God's able to make the tires on your car go a little further. He's able to keep the car running, save you a trip down to the garage, down to the doctor's office. God can save you some money. I'm not going to take time to tell any story on that. I could tell you two or three or several, but anyway, I'm not going to. But God can do it. So they gave their person first. They were willing to give their person first. They're willing to give beyond their power. They're willing to give out of their power. They're willing to give beyond their power. But I look at verse number four. They were willing to give as partners. Bible said in verse number four, and this they did not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to us. That's verse number, yeah. Verse number four, praying us with much entreaty 
that we will receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. So, you see, Paul said the missionary literally ministers to the sending churches. Brother Cofield, your report for the weekend. I tell them it's about ours. We, know we, have, we have missionaries that cover the globe, basically as you do, as far as the sun never sets on it. And, uh, I, you know, if you, were to call, if you were to call pastor in the morning and he was up to par on what I'm talking about, say, Brother Allen, how many did you have in church yesterday? And he said, I don't know them. The report's not all in. How many got saved? I don't know the report's not all in. Get this statement. Everything that the missionaries you support accomplish, it will be on your account at the judgment seat of Christ as your fruit. Brother Cofield, I think, said it on purpose a while ago, but he said this is our camp. We're building this camp, including you, the people here, every supporting church. So we give out of our poverty. We give our person first. We give out of our poverty Willing to give beyond their power, we give as partners. Their fruit becomes our fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I want you to turn your Bible one more page, chapter number 9, and I want you to look at verse number 7. In verse number 7, the Bible said, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, I want you to take your card that you have in your hand, and I want you to turn it over on the back side. I have spent more time on getting up to this than I intended to. I will not be long here. But I want you to look at their first four answers. What is faith, promise, investment? Number one, it's personal giving. Number two, it's plan giving. Number three, it's consistent giving. Number four, it's positive giving. All four of those come from verse number seven. Let's read verse seven. The Bible said, every man... According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now look at the card. First of all, faith promise giving is personal giving. I make two statements, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. Don't come up to Pastor Cofield and say, how much should I give? Don't talk to your fellow church members. What are y'all giving? It's not the fact that it's to be so secret, but it's the fact we want to be influenced by God, not by other people. Not by other people. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Let them do what God wants them to do, but you find out what God wants you to do. It's personal. Now, listen to this statement. You have both the responsibility and the opportunity, or the opportunity and the responsibility, to go to God for yourself with a simple prayer. Lord, what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do? It's personal giving. Then when the Lord lays that upon your heart what to do, you just kind of nail it down, put it down, start doing it. Because God told you to do it, that's what God wants you to do. And you don't want to sin against God, so your purpose in your heart, you're going to continue to do that. Number three, it's not only personal giving, plan giving, but it's persistent giving, so let him give. Not enough, just fill out the card and drop it. What a great report pastor gives above and beyond your faith promise commitment last year. Come in. Thank the Lord for that. But it's to be persistent. Do what God tells you to do and don't worry about anyone else. Doesn't matter size. You don't compare yours by others. You compare yours by what God wants you to do. I mention this often. I'll be brief to say it. I could bring a father and a son up here 
a dad and a five-year-old son, and I could give the dad a gallon jar. I could give the son a pint, and I could say to them, there's a sand pile behind the building. Go fill these up with sand, and they obey. They come back, and the daddy looks at me with his gallon and said, I've done what you told me to do. And the little boy looks at me with his pint and said, I've done what God told you to do. Now, I've done what, God told me, what you told me to do. Look at this. The daddy's got eight times more sand in a gallon than he could get in the pint. Everybody with me? We don't do gallons and pints anymore, do we? Anyway, uh, they have. And, but you know what? The little boy can stand just as proud as his daddy and say, I did what you told me to do. God may tell somebody $100 and God may tell some child 50 cents. But if he does, that child is obedient and faithful. He gets the same reward as the man who gives much more money. So it is personal giving, plan giving, persistent giving. Then it's positive giving. It's not I've got to give, but I get to give. Amen. It's exciting to watch God give through you. You know, I realize when I read that, I feel like I hear Baptists say, well, that leaves me out because I could not give more and be a cheerful giver. You know, none of us are natural born cheerful givers. We're cheerful getters. George, we're cheerful getters. Amen. If there's any money going to change hands today, I want it to come my way, and you do too. If you don't, bring it on up here. But we want it to come our way. We're cheerful getters. But how can you become a cheerful giver? I'm telling you, start reading the prayer letters. Realize, as we mentioned earlier, and Pastor mentioned earlier, their fruit is your fruit. Their work is your work. Their reward is your reward. And then you come to the place that's not, I've got to give but I get to give. You will become a cheerful giver when you start giving. You know, I thought about this preacher, and you can help me. You can probably experience something, but I have never met a cheerful tightwad. And I've never met a grumpy giver. When you start giving, you're doing like Christ, and he will put the cheerfulness in your life. He'll make your cup to run over, your bucket full. God will do it. So it's to be personal giving, plan giving, persistent giving, positive giving. But then look at verse number 8, and I close with this. It's to be proving giving. Look at verse number 8 in your Bible. And God is able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's able to do a lot of things, preacher. But this is very narrow here. He is able to provide mission money that he tells you to give as you obey him. But look at your Bible. He's able to make all grace. I wonder how much grace is all grace. And then you've got the word abound, which means overflow. God's able to make all grace overflow. Look at the next two words. God's able to make all grace abound toward you. Not the pastor, not the deacon, not the preacher. Not the missionary necessarily, it includes him, but you, all of you, each individual, each of us. Now then, he's able to make all grace abound toward you. Why would God do that? That you always, I wonder how much of the time that is. Having all sufficiency, I wonder how much sufficiency that is in all things, I wonder how many things that is. I'm telling you, verse number eight is God's guarantee he will not let us down when we obey God and trust God in our giving to missions by Faith. Now, let me just say this. There is that tendency, and I know I've been there. I know that, and I'm not being fussy about it. But there's that tendency, you know, 
pastor can tell what God's done for him, and yeah, God does things for pastors. Brother Blue can tell what God's done for me, and yeah, God does things for old preachers, and I am an old preacher. Missionaries know what God's done for them, and you know what goes through man. God, God does. No, there's an old. He's a pastor, not an old pastor. He's a pastor. I'm an old preacher. Uh, he's a missionary. Yeah, we believe God does things, but will He do it for me? Now look at me just a moment. I close with this. God could, as some people think, take a club and say, "I said give. You better give." But that's not the God of the Bible. God gets no delight out of making us do things. God wants a willing, obedient response. Do you know what God in his mercy? To me, here's one of the greatest pictures of the mercy of God I know of. In verse number 8, pardon me, verse number 13, God said, while by the experiment of this administration, look at that word experiment. Preacher, I believe God will give it to the pastor. I believe God will give it to the missionary. I believe God will give it to the old preacher, but will he give it to me? And Brother Colfield is so plain. God said there's one way to find out. Try it and see. Give God a chance to prove he will give missions money through you during the coming year. Do something that's above and beyond your power, something that you need God to do through you, and watch God not fail. So you ask God what he wants you to do. God lays it on your heart. Then you do it to the glory of God. Now, I hope you'll be back tonight in the service, and I want to get one more message on giving the Lord willing tonight. And I hope you'll give it, and I hope if you will, you'll wait until then, until this is over before you Really settle on what you're going to do. Let God speak to your heart through the afternoon and tonight and be back in that. Let's stand together with heads bowed, please. Our musicians will come and we'll just have just a verse of invitation song. You need to come. You say, Brother Blue, give an invitation. I have to preach like that. I've seen people saved preaching on giving. I remember one service had four people saved. I preached Sunday school at 11 o'clock on giving. I was preaching up in Virginia. And there's a fellow coming to the back door back there that morning. Nobody knew him. Just looked like a first-class hippie back in the 80s, I guess it was. I preached. He sat on the back pew back on this side. As soon as I gave an invitation preacher, he got out and went toward the wall and come toward the back door. And I thought, well, I lost him. But he turned this way. Should have gone out. He came in. God saved him. I was back the next year. He dressed up right, looking right, and leading the choir. God saved him that morning. God can save you today if you're not saved. Father, Honor the word, use it to your glory. I do pray for those in our presence who are not saved. Lord, may they come to you right now with repentance and faith and be saved in this altar call. Prepare the heart of the people, dear Lord, for their commitment to give. We'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.